Welcome to the Eagle Podcast. When an eagle's health deteriorates, the eagle changes its way of life in order to survive. It leaves behind old habits and past traditions and does whatever is necessary to re-energize. My eagles are people who have found themselves in a health crisis and have explored ways to take back control of their life, to thrive, emerging stronger, healthier and with new purpose. This podcast series is about learning from each of these eagles' journeys so that we may find our own way through difficult times. Hello and welcome. My name is Sandra Donskita and this is episode number four of the Eagle podcast. I promise you're in for a treat today because my guest Jen Rose is chatting with me all the way from the sunny South Florida, sharing her vulnerable yet incredibly powerful story of life after mastectomy, such as dating, choosing your love mate, sex, breastfeeding, health and music. Jen is a musician. I met Jen on Instagram when I stumbled upon her video showing a very daring act she performed at the recent Grammys. It hooked me immediately. Okay, let me paint a picture of this video for you. So you see this young, beautiful woman wearing a gorgeous long red dress, walking at the Grammys with a half of her chest exposed to public. So whatever you're thinking right now is probably not what you expect. Jenna attended the Grammys showing her breastless chest covered with a scar she has after a mastectomy. I wanted to know what lies behind this very bold act and how this woman is making a difference in the world because I'm sure she does. Just think about it. Scars that surgery leaves can result in women feeling they have lost a core part of their femininity. But let's see what Jen has to say about it all. But let me tell you, this conversation was totally unscripted. It was like a chat between two new great friends. And when you realize you forgot to record the usual part of, oh, hi, Jen, welcome to the show. Oh, hi, Sandra. It's awesome to be a part of the Eagle podcast. So let's imagine that happened. And so here it goes. Let's dive in deep immediately. You know, I find it incredibly humbling that people like you are willing to give their time and speak about their cancer stories. Well, thanks, thanks in advance for the conversation we're going to have. But let's begin with your story. Um, You were diagnosed with breast cancer at the age of 30, right? I'm curious, in hindsight, how do you think your cancer developed? What led you to this diagnosis? I was irritable a lot and I had been breastfeeding my son who was eight months old. And instead of acknowledging, wow, why am I irritable? I said to myself, I'm getting too angry. Why am I so angry? I thought it was something wrong with me. I went on a fast and said, okay, I'm not going to be angry anymore. I'm just not going to do this. And every time I felt angry, I just pushed it down. And within a month, I had a cancer. I was in a very oppressive marriage at the time. And I had been married for eight years. We had just had a son. Mm -hmm. And my son was eight months old. And the pressure was getting to me. And I had already had many signs to leave. I had been told to leave. And my spirit wasn't being honored. It was hard to leave. It was hard to get a divorce. That was one of the hardest decisions I've ever made in my life, was to, to just leave something that I couldn't fix you know it's understandable especially when we give vows you know during the wedding 
day. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's just incredible. And you were young and you thought this is for life. We have a child together and we will go through this, right? Together. You tried your best, I can imagine. And, and again, it comes down to belief systems. What do you believe? If you don't believe in divorce, so you will suffer and, and live that way. And then a lot of people do. I learned how to change my belief systems. And once I changed my belief systems, I saw my environment change. I saw my soul change. And I realized that I shouldn't be so fixed in belief systems, that I should be loose. I should be fluid. I should be always seeking to understand new perspectives. It's a great inspiration, but it's so hard to achieve it. How, how, at which point did you realize that your belief system sucked and needed to <laughs> Well, I woke up and looked in the mirror and I was like, oh my God, you got cancer, girl. How'd this happen to you? Can you describe how at the time you felt both physically and emotionally? I actually, when I got diagnosed, I was in the best shape of my life. Right. I had, yeah, I had just finished having a baby eight months ago. So I was doing P90X. I was doing yoga. I was in excellent shape um, physically. Spiritually, I was definitely oppressed in a marriage that wasn't working. Again, trying to push down my feelings, trying to push down anger. And anger was trying to tell me that my boundaries were being crossed, that I wasn't being respected, that my freedom was being lost, that I was, that I was giving away my power. Anger tells us so many things. And so I began to study Louise Hayes, um, You Can Heal Your Life. I began to study lots of self-help books. Brian um, Lipton, The Biology of Belief. Mm-hmm. Of course, Wayne Dyer. Great, studying, studying these books woke me up. I began to meditate. I knew to go raw food, vegan. I knew to do that. I had already been that for many years. So for me, it wasn't a food thing, but, but for many people it is. So was your cancer genetic? Mine was environmental. The reason I've gathered that is because, you know, I had the, the cells tested. I don't have the gene. Okay. And they concluded that it was merely from my environment. So and what do you think that was? Break it down like environment as if... Bruce Lipton talks about this in his book, The Biology of Belief. And if we believe that we are living in an environment that is loving Mm -hmm. and we feel supported and we generally feel acknowledged and seen and heard, then our cells will reproduce beautifully. We will be healthy. Our bodies want to thrive. Our bodies want to be healthy. And if we align with that, then we'll, we'll thrive and have perfect health. But if we believe we're in an environment where we are, you know, being persecuted or we feel we are being attacked, we feel opposition, then we put on that flight or flight within ourselves. Mm -hmm. Basically what Bruce talks about and shares scientifically is that our belief systems control our cellular behavior. Don't you think I mean, to to me, to you, this is not news. We we totally get it. What do you yeah. think? The skeptical yeah. people, do, do they understand this core belief about how the cells work? I think every skeptic can be made a believer. Mm-hmm. And when you're looking at death every day, then you want to believe. I did end up getting surgery, but I wish that I hadn't. 
And I believe now that I was healing completely and that if I didn't have surgery, I would have healed completely. We are just now understanding the power of healing and what our body is capable of. But it looked like I was dying. The tumor in the beginning was the size of a quarter. So this is and the then, size of the quarter when it was diagnosed? Yes, when I found it, yep. And by the end of a year of doing raw foods, I juiced, fasted for 100 days, meditation, emotional work, yoga, Reiki, colonics, all kinds of healing. Anything I could learn about, I did. And at the end, the tumor got so big, I had to hold it in the crook of my arm like a baby to go to the bathroom, you know, to cross the room. I had to hold it up to even walk. That's how heavy it got. It got four pounds. What? Four pounds. Yes. Four pounds. That's how big it got. It's on what period of time? In a full year of just natural remedies. Yeah. So, So how does it make sense? So you've been trying all of these incredible healing methodologies that you really, truly believed in. And how, why do you think the tumor grew? Here's what I know for sure. Now, this was six years ago, so I've had a lot of time to reflect of course, and to understand. And for a while, I had to let go of the mystery because I couldn't figure it out. For a while, I was like, okay, I don't know what just happened. But then spirit began to guide me and show me and give me answers once I let go of needing to know. So I know for sure that I was healing. The tumor was coming out of the skin. The natural path I was working with told me that if the body can't break down the tumor, that it will push it out of the skin. And, you know, the tumor was in the breast. So it was in a very safe area, safe, meaning non-detriment to my my life. You know, it's not in my throat. It's not in an, an organ. It's not in, you know, some major area or the brain, you know, it was in the breast, this fatty tissue. I believe that the cancer was coming out. Basically what happened was it started coming out of the skin and I was in so much pain. I didn't know what to do. Oh gosh. And the natural path at that point was like, I can't help you anymore. Gave me no advice. And I was literally at home with this thing coming out of my breast and having no guidance and just not knowing what to do. I was worried about infection, about losing blood. Um, I was very weak at that point. And, you know, my husband at the time was taking care of my son. So I couldn't take care of my son. I'm bedridden. And my mom came over at that time and she advised that I go to the emergency room. I go to the surgeon. And at that point, I was just not knowing what to do. So I went to the ER. Of course, they look at me like, oh my God, this woman has neglected herself for a full year. You know, they looked at me like a monkey at a zoo. You know, it was really, it was really disrespectful how many people came in and looked at me and stuff. And I immediately felt that. But going in, they were just like, you need to have a mastectomy right away. They wanted to have a mastectomy within three days. Did they? Of the diagnosis. Yeah. And for me, that was too quick. To, to put a knife to my body. I was 30 years old and I was very connected to my breasts. I was breastfeeding my son and they wanted to cut off my breasts. It was just barbaric to me. I, I couldn't fathom that. I was like, okay, like, I don't know what else to do. I've, I've gone a full year. No one will help me. And it, this is painful, really painful. So I literally 
made the decision to do it, just really not knowing what to do. And this is, this is what happened. The night before the surgery, the nurse was helping me bathe and the tumor act burst. Oh my gosh. I, I, I cannot imagine. That sounds, sounds ridiculous, not scary. This was, this was significant because the tumor had been hard as a rock for a full year, like hard, cement hard. For it to completely change texture was something like I had never seen. So I was like, oh my God, I'm healing. My instinct was like, I'm healing, I'm healing. Oh my God, I'm healing, I'm healing. <laughs> and the nurse was like, I'd have never seen this in my life. The nurse was totally scared. She's like, oh my God, can I leave you for a second and get some gauze? And I was like, sure. I took a look at it while she was gone and it, it looked like jelly. And so I was very excited to talk to the surgeon the next day. And I was like, oh my God, I'm healing. I'm healing. Like this thing, this thing changed texture. Like I think it's going to heal up. I think it's going to heal up. Right. The surgeon looked at me and was like, Jen, you're in, you're in denial. He said, this this is, this is what's called necrophilia where the tumor outgrows its blood supply and starts dying on the outside. It's dying on the outside, but we don't know how much has gone on the inside, the chest wall, blah, blah. He literally scared me. And so that morning I get wheeled into the surgery crying, just not knowing what to do. I wish I had just stayed in the hospital, you know, um, and not done anything. And now I know if you don't know what to do, don't do anything. Are you saying at that time in, in that wheelchair, you regretted spending the whole year and trying all of these things? No, I, when I was getting wheeled into surgery, I was still so confused. I really hadn't had an answer. You know, I didn't know. I, I just felt confused and scared and giving up at that point. Like I was just like, I don't know what to do. I guess I'll just listen to the doctor. You know, I guess I'll just listen to my mom. Like I, had gone so far and I didn't know what to do. After the surgery was done, as soon as I woke up, I knew I had done the wrong thing. As soon as I came to consciousness, I was like, I knew I had done the wrong thing. And so I, the next three months, I was in complete depression. And the reason is, is because at the beginning of all this, I got guidance. I had done some yoga as soon as I got diagnosed. And I had heard from spirit to not have surgery, to not do chemo and to not wean my baby. I had gotten guidance. And so that's what made me go a full year. But then after that year, I was tired and at the end and not, not having anyone to really guide me the rest of the way. So I woke up from the surgery knowing I had done the wrong thing. The cancer returned four months later. Oh my because I hadn't, I hadn't changed my environment. I hadn't changed anything. I went back to living with my husband. I went back to that life, went back to everything. Four months later, it came back aggressively, the size of a dime this time on the scar wall, okay. right? On the scar, on the scar. And as soon as it came back, as soon as I saw, I knew it. I knew it was cancer. Like I knew it. When I got it the second time, I was like, oh my God. Like I was like, I got this again. Like I was like ready to change my whole life. That's when I decided I was leaving my husband. I was leaving and I was changing my, I was changing everything. I changed everything. Jen, my goodness, what a journey. But looking from the outside is interesting. It seems like all of this happened for you to realize something major needs to change for you to live a healthy life. What followed next? I did end up getting radiation 
And that was the next aggressive thing that they wanted to do. I moved out. I began to dissect and process what had happened. Once I got relief that I was cancer free, I was able to really like go to those dark places and go to those corners of my mind and figure out what happened. I also did a lot of energy work mm-hmm. after the fact to help me cope with the guilt of having the surgery when I had distinctly been told not to have the surgery. And I tried, you know, weaning my baby at the time and that didn't feel natural either. So I never did wean my baby. My baby just went to the other breast. He just naturally went to the other breast and the cancer was not in my milk ducts. It was actually in the fatty tissue. So he was never at risk. And the chemo they tried to make me do, but I knew I didn't want to do that because I knew I wanted to have another child. I ended up not having another child. Um, and she's perfectly healthy and four years old now. Jam, it's really incredible. I'm so happy you're a second child of the cancer. It was so intuitive and it's healthy. I'm really happy for you. If you were to... Um, summarize and clarify for us what was your focus first time round the first round of it i was focusing on what's wrong with me what's wrong with me something must be wrong with me if i have this if i got this first you fix the inside then you fix the outside gosh so it was everything about self blame and we all know that self blame doesn't lead to anywhere good or any proper answers, right? Um, but what in that case led you to understand what's happening within you? It was really the science, the research that it was environmental. Once I saw that environmental, I'm like, wait a minute, it's my environment? You know, when we're growing roses or flowers or vegetables, you know, if, if it's not growing well, if it's not thriving, if it gets a disease, we don't blame the rose. We don't say this is a bad rose, this is a bad carrot. No, we change the environment. We give it more sun. We give it less water or more water. We're like, what's wrong with the environment? And so once I changed my environment, I began to heal. I love it. I love what I'm hearing. But just for clarity, I gather that you refer to environments as both internal and external, right? How would you, Jen, describe each of them in your own words? Our inner environment is our self-talk. How are we talking to ourselves? What are we saying to ourselves? Our inner environment is, are we eating high vibrational foods that fuel our mood and, and fuel our life? Are we taking in essential oils? Do we care about our health? Are we cleansing our energetic field? You know, are we cleansing the insides? This inner environment is just as important as the outside environment. The outside environment is, okay, Everything we take in our eyes, ears, and mouth affects us. You know, are we watching the news too much? Are we doing too much social media? The people around us, are they giving to us or taking? Do we feel drained after we leave their presence or do they inspire us? And it's about boundaries, learning that, oh my gosh, I love myself so much that I'm going to give you a firm boundary because you're not on the same vibrational wavelength as me. And that's really where I'm at in my life. It's not out of uh, separation. It's more about protecting this environment, protecting my inner temple and protecting my outer temple and attracting you know, my tribe, the people that um, are going to give and inspire my life and really amplify it and enhance it. 
And we all have these choices. Again, belief systems, do you believe you're worthy of this life? And everyone has a different belief system based on how they want their life to be, which is fascinating. It is fascinating. And I love how you explain the influence of our environments to our health, both mental and physical. It makes total sense. Talking about influence and consequences, you mentioned your first son was weaning when one breast was affected by cancer. How has mastectomy affected feeding your second child? I had backup breast milk from other donors because I was like, oh my God, am I going to have enough? Mm -hmm. Is my body going to be able to support a child with one breast? And magically enough, I had more than enough. <laughs> Our bodies are so amazing. And if we, again, get on board with the belief systems that our, our bodies are magical, our bodies are amazing, our bodies have an intelligence that we can study and analyze and get on board with. And when you get on board with your body, the cells respond. Here's something else that I learned recently. I've been traveling, you know, I go to Los Angeles a lot for work and for music. And I, I'm so in tune now with my body. I can feel when it's getting drained. I can feel when, you know, when you're like, oh, I feel like I, I'm catching something, you know, that little tinge. Right when I feel anything like that, I stop. I take a moment for myself. I put my hands on my body and I say, body, oh, I feel you. I see you. I feel, I feel you're dipping in energy right now. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to give you some food. I'm going to give you some fresh juice. And don't you worry. I'm a little jet lagged right now because I'm traveling. But you know what? I promise in the next few days, I'm going to sleep and I'm going to pamper you and you're going to feel so much better. But right now I'm working. Right now we need to get through this airport or we need to get through this thing. Da, da, da. And I literally explain to my body, I talk to it like a child. <laughs> That's what like I want to say. Like, this is what's going on. You need to get on board. And I feel my body get on board with the mission. It simply just needs to be acknowledged Absolutely. and seen and heard and promised to be loved and saying, okay, I see you. Mm -hmm. The same thing, you know, when you're exercising and you're, you're working on your fitness, you know, most people are not, well, I hope not like saying negative things while they're doing this. They're <laughs> saying positive things. They're saying you're amazing. <laughs> you're strong. See, people are doing this, uh, you know, through fitness, not knowing really that they're speaking to their cells and they're changing their cellular behavior. Because you know? nobody teaches people to do that. We yeah. have to become very tough. We have to go through, kick through things, you know, and we don't have so much empathy for our bodies or mind as, a, as much as we have towards other people. So what do you think needs to change? There needs to be a compassion boom in our culture around the whole world of self-love and you know, loving each other. And I believe that's happening. So I, I would say too, intention was the foundation of my healing. Um, that is Wayne Dyer's work as well, the power of intention. I began to say to myself, I am healed. Right. I am healed. I am healed. And I began to discover this healing vibration and it made my music more healing. I got into sound healing and healing bowls and healing instruments. 
Uh, so it really deepened my music um, compositions. Then once I was healed, the intention turned into I am healed and healing others. This reminds all of us how powerful and how important it is to set intentions. <laughs> they seem to work, don't they? So going back a little bit, Jen, I trust changing the environment also led you to changes in you and your relationships with others. Can you talk a little about that? I've learned to honor myself more and honor my, my space and my energy more. And I don't really care about people's opinions anymore. I care about people very deeply and very much, but I don't care about what they think about me. That has definitely changed. Also, I love, I love deeper. I love more. I love stronger. I'm not scared to say what I mean, you know, say what's on my mind or say what I think could help others. I've also become more silent. I, I love silence and I love being silent with people as well and, and honoring the sacred space of meditation and honoring each other. It's been a beautiful journey and I'm so thankful. I'm really thankful for what cancer taught me. It I'm sounds thankful. like it's, it's transformational for you in so many ways. Absolutely. I, I, it changed my life. It completely woke me up. For the better. Mm -hmm. And how is the perception of your body, body image? I mean, you're a beautiful girl, but you mentioned before at the time when cancer was happening, you were breastfeeding your baby. And so you were connected to breasts from that point of view. But for any woman, I mean, we can all relate to what it means to have one of your breasts cut off. How, how does that change for you, the perception of your body? Well, as you can imagine, it was devastating. It was absolutely devastating. That was an asset of my body I had enjoyed a lot and loved, always loved. And it gave me pleasure. I definitely had to do a lot of inner work around beauty and I did a lot of grieving. I'll just be truthful. I grieved a lot over it. Mm -hmm. And then I began to be open to new perceptions of beauty. And I like to think of myself as one of those statues in the Louvre. If you visited the Louvre in Paris, you've seen all the amazing Greek and Roman statues that have been through countless wars and they are on display, even though they have limbs cut off, you know, they have an arm cut off, uh, you know, a leg. And they're, and they're still, so beautiful. They're still gorgeous. <laughs> so I began to literally look at myself in that way. Like when I look in the mirror and I see only one breast and I see a scar, luckily my scar is flat. It's not, you know, gross looking. It's, mm -hmm. it's you know, the surgeon did a, a very good job. Do you realize, Jen, that your attitude is so incredible and so inspiring? And I feel really humble hearing this. And I hope that you brought some perspective to people having similar experience that are listening as well. You mentioned, though, you remarried. So how did your new man react to your post-cancer look? I did remarry. And my, son, my husband does not care. It never bothered him. He's never seen me with two breasts. He's only known me after the fact. So he told me when we were dating, you know, that he wasn't a breast guy. And I was like, what do you mean you're not a breast guy? I've never met any guy that's not a breast guy. That's complete BS. That's what but, I usually get. <laughs> but we've been married for many years now, and I can safely say he's not a breast guy. He is a 
butt guy. He <laughs> loves the booty. He loves my booty. Okay, so this is this is how the universe works. You know, the universe works in mysterious ways, and we are satisfied in our sex life. Like we are just completely sexually connected, and so our 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 sex is healing to me and powerful and takes the stress of the day off. And it's really the way it should be in, in my eyes. And like, it's the best sex I've ever had in my life. Like, it's just. I mean, how is this even possible, right? Yeah, you know, I have a great guy. I have a great, great conscious man. And when we were dating, you know, we were making out. I made him wait for a long time before even making love. And we were making out. And I remember saying to him, you know, I had him vasect me, right? Like, even though he already knew all these things about me, he was like, yeah. He's like, but everything still works, right? <laughs> and I was like, yeah. I was but I just, I have to be clear with you. You know, I have a huge scar from underneath my armpit all the way to the middle of my chest. I don't want to shock you. I don't, I don't want to shock you. And I take my shirt off. And his reply was so amazing. He oh, said, he said, Jen, if I ever have the pleasure of getting you naked, I promise you we'll have a great time. And then when the time came, you know, I was like ready. I was like, okay, I'm going to take my shirt off. Are you ready? <laughs> the big time has come. <laughs> you know, I was so scared. I was so scared, trembling. I took off my shirt in front of him and he just looked at me and he was like, can I touch you? And I was like, yeah, sure, yes. And he kissed my scar. Wow. He kissed my scar. What was that? Yep. And we made love for five hours. <laughs> wow. I mean, I can safely say that so far, this has been the most open conversation to date. <laughs> Thank you for being so, so honest and painting such a vivid and spectacular picture, really. I mean, anybody I'm sure can appreciate having a little snippet into your private life. <laughs> How often do you get that? So moving on a tiny bit, I think it's just uh, natural at this stage for me to ask, at any point, have you considered putting implants or covering your scars with tattoos? Of course. And I don't want to dishonor any other woman's way of processing this. We all have our own ways and our own belief systems around beauty and what beautiful is. I first had the surgery. I was like, yeah, maybe I'll do a tattoo over it. And of course, I thought about breast implants because they look beautiful. But when it comes down to it, they're not, they don't support health. They actually sabotage your health. And so knowing that there's no way and, and I've had enough surgery, you know, I was just, I had enough with the Western, I've had enough with doctors, I've had enough. I don't, I don't want to willingly go into any of that again. And, and also acknowledging that spirit had told me not to have surgery. And basically what you, when you mean spirit is gut feeling for any normal human beings out there, right? You know, uh, spirit talks to us in all different ways and you can tell spirit how you want to be communicated to. Some people prefer dreams. You know, I, I hear things audibly because I'm a musician. Maybe I've always heard it like outside of myself direction. 
guidance. It's not all the time, but it's, it's pretty strong. If you meditate and you rest in stillness, you can really strengthen this connection with your higher self and, and, and the universal spirit of all that is. And you can ask and pray for it to be strengthened as well and, and ask for help, for guidance. There is so much assistance energetically. There is so much support from our ancestors. There is so much. For a long time, I was like, what was that? I went through I went through yoga teacher training trying to figure out what that voice was. Was it my higher self? Was it me wishful thinking? Was it God? What I was so confused. And then slowly as I began to just accept the mystery, I had to do that. I had to be like, okay, I don't know. I really don't know. Some of this stuff I just can't figure out. Mm-hmm. Once I began to relax and let go, then answers began to come and, and the pieces began to form this amazing pattern. And I began to see the pattern and unlock why this happened and unlock the power of the body and the power of the subconscious mind. We are so powerful. We can create our reality. We can destroy our reality. And every day we choose life or death. And it's really that simple. I believe meditation is really the key. Sitting still, either with music or your animals or, the, you know, you're in London, so a beautiful tree and sitting there and starting to really hear yourself. What's your voice sound like? So anybody who is not familiar or, you know, they don't know what it means to have spirit talking to them. In other ways, as you say, meditation, silence, tuning into yourself equally can bring you answers in these difficult situations when you need to know what to do rather than listening Mm -hmm. to anybody else out there who's trying to tell you what to do. Yeah. Yeah. Our voice inside needs to be the strongest out of the whole world. And I like to think about it in terms of creating versus consuming. Mm -hmm. Are you consuming other people's beliefs, ideas, articles? You know, how much are you consuming? You know, being mindful of how much you're intaking of other people's vibration, ideas, belief system, you know, all these things. Mm -hmm. Really stripping that down and and saying, and being confident in yourself enough and again, self-love. I love myself. What do I want? What, I want to hear from me. You know, okay, great. You know what? The world will definitely tell you anything and everything. But when we can sit down and hear from ourselves, our higher selves, our ancestors, you know, so much, so much support in the astral realm, so much support cosmically. And we sit down, gosh, it's, it's magical. You know, you sit and you listen. There's so much to hear. And if you're not sure where to start, you start with the breath. You start with the breath. But then once you hear the voices or the, you know, the clarity comes, then the next step is having the courage to act on it. And that's another challenge, isn't it? It is. I mean, looking, looking, you know, hearing your story, you know, during the first year, you know, you sound to me like a conscious person overall in your life. Okay, maybe you were cluttered a little bit more in your mind at the time when anger was possessing you. But still, you probably listened to your voice to some extent and you made decisions to heal that way 
didn't go well ended up in in what it did i guess is is just fascinating it and how how we listen to our voice and at which stage it's the right one to listen to and act upon yeah and at that point my question was okay that was what the guidance was a year ago mhm and i hadn't gotten any other guidance since then that's why i was so confused going into the surgery i i had i was like now i know if you're confused don't do anything just sit still don't do anything don't make any decisions while you're confused that's the worst time to make a decision but you know? actually did do you think that i i totally understand and agree mm-hmm. do you mm-hmm. think at any point you were risking your life i don't feel that way i think from the outside looking in it looked like i was dying i looked very skinny and but i felt like i was thriving at the time i felt so spiritually in tune and awake maybe if it had spread and it was in multiple areas and my organs were being compromised but no i did feel that i was meditating on my death because that's what western medicine was telling me that was happening basically mm-hmm. if i believed what western medicine was telling me then i was dying if i believed what my spirituality and eastern philosophy and eastern medicine says then i was detoxing and going through a spirit quest so it really was a battle of the mind mm-hmm. and a battle of who am i going to believe i think everyone diagnosed has that choice which path are they going to go down and and some some people can do a mix of the path you know it's not either or and again my personal experience obviously i wish i hadn't have done the surgery but i released all guilt i did the best i could it was a, it was a pretty long marathon uh and and i forgive myself i did the best i could um and here i am sharing sharing the knowledge that yes if you hear a voice telling you to do something do it and many times spirit will give you something to do or say or a mission and not tell anybody else but you and you have to be strong enough to be like no i know what i heard i know i know and so it really is trusting that spiritual connection i think we're all learning that we're all learning how to hear the voice how to act when we hear the voice and then continue on the marathon you know continue on to the end and you know i never crossed the finish line but i'm here to say there's an amazing life after cancer you can thrive i've had a baby i've gotten married i have a career and i've i'm meeting a lots of other uh cancer survivors who have just as ama- as an amazing story as i do mm. and you know we're all here just to share and and i'm just so happy and honored that i'm here to share everything that i learned and i'm here this is this is my second life <laughs> Oh Jen really congratulations on this. <laughs> yeah. So I'm honored to be here on your podcast and thank you so much uh for having this space and and having this openness to share these amazing miraculous stories of health and wellness. I think it's very important and listening to you you just confirm me right from the start you're such an ego my human ego and <laughs> this beautiful spirit. So switching a little bit of the subject tell us a little bit about 
what's the dating after cancer like? Because there are really... so many out there who just have so many worries. This is it. Like mm. my, I have no breast. I had mm. other scars on my body. I'm mentally scarred. I haven't processed everything. It's like, who is going to want me if I even don't see myself wanting myself? Yeah, I definitely had those thoughts as well. I, I worked on my yoga practice, my fitness. That's what helped me deal with the stress. I would run, I would do sprints. It helped me get through all the life changes I had to make that were very intense as, as well as healing. I would say don't look. That's my advice on dating. I have never been one that like looks around to date. I've always been someone that is doing my own thing, very focused on my own life. And I meet someone along the path. And that person on the path comes seamlessly in. You know, when I met Matt, he offered to take me out for a drink. And many times I said, no, I was like, no, 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 no. And he was just persistent. He was really persistent. I said no lots of times. I was not interested in dating. I was focusing on myself. And when you do that, you begin to glow and you begin to like have this light about you that will attract people. And that's really the position you want to be in. And if you're a female, especially you want to attract more than, you know, pursue. That's the divine feminine way is to attract not just physically. We're not talking just about physical beauty. We're talking about vibrationally. We're talking about uh, your mental space, who you are and what you're about. You want that kind of guy that continually goes after you when you say, no, 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 I'm not interested. When he first met me, you know, I told him everything. And he was like, wow, this girl is so positive still, even though she's gone through so much stuff. Mm -hmm. um, he thought the whole cancer situation was admirable. Was he it? saw, yes, he was like, wow, this girl is strong. Either he loved that I was a mother. Nothing um, scared that guy by the sound. No, nothing scared him. And I even told like my friends, I was like, I am going through a messy divorce right now. It was messy and it was lengthy. It took several months to kind of rid myself of that other environment. I had a two-year-old and then I was going through radiation treatments when I met him. So I was still like pretty much in it. And I was just like, no, 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 no. That's so a we package that is not attractive to most of the people out there. And how perfect, right? You want to be so honest. Like I was just so honest with my stuff that I attracted someone that was able to handle my kind of life that I live. I wasn't trying to attract someone that didn't want kids or didn't want commitment. So I think that energy you know, attracts your mate and your soulmate. And that's the only way you want it to happen. You, you don't, you don't want it to be forced or like, you know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. That's my advice with dating. <laughs> Say, put all your baggage out there. <laughs> Go the unconventional road. Yes. Don't also, try to. Yeah. No, I'm yeah. so happy for you. I, I read <laughs> your love story on the Instagram post. Anybody who is listening to the podcast, I really recommend going through Jen's oh, yeah. Um, yeah. top top 50 yeah. posts. Probably there is lots of wisdom there. And that transitions really well into how I came across to you to begin with. 
because I was just literally browsing through Instagram and you know how it happens. You just stumble upon by accident. Well, whether if we mm. believe that accidents exist, mm-hmm. I thought that was pure synchronicity, how I came across. And the first post that I saw, guess what it was? What? <laughs> of course, the one that you are, <laughs> you are uncovering. The Grammy one? The Grammy one. Wow. That was the first one. Wow. That was the first one. And literally I looked at it without reading <gasps> and I thought, what this girl is doing? And then literally I was so intrigued to read the post. Oh my God, I want to get to know her better. And why the hell somebody would want to show scars? Tell me, what mischief were you up to at the Grammys? Oh, it really was a personal decision. And a commitment to being, you know, an activist in this area. I really wanted to reveal the scar in a beautiful, artistic way to just show people that it's there and that this is what's underneath the clothing. I'm still exploring this new kind of beauty where we reveal our scars and we show these hidden stories, these hidden tattoos. For me, also, it was taking a stand against fakeness and uh, showing my most authentic self. Like, this is who I am without any padding, without anything covering up, you know, one of my deepest lessons. And I feel beautiful. I feel very secure in my own skin. And it took me a while to get there. It took me you know, years to process and to feel this way. So I feel like celebrating. I feel like I want to show everyone that, you know, our bodies are beautiful no matter what they've been through. And it's magnificent that I was able to process something so, you know, life-changing and to share and to celebrate in that visual um, and of course, I did it scared. I did it trembling. I, you know, it was really cold that day. And I actually had the dress altered at a seamstress. And we had a zipper put in on the over the right cup to where you could literally unzip the entire right cup mm-hmm. and take the right cup completely off. And so you just had the left breast covered and you had the right side exposed completely. And it was just this exposure that made me feel so badass. I just felt so badass. I felt like, wow. Can I just say to all the listeners that you can go and see for yourself on Instagram how badass Jen actually looked with that red dress showing the scar on her chest at the recent Grammys. I mean, I will definitely link the videos and images in the show notes, so look out for them. But okay, Jen, was there anyone who thought you were a little crazy by doing that? I have a a music coach and I had told my music coach what I was planning on doing. And she was like, this is crazy. She's like, she's like, you better go to the grocery store like this. So you can make sure that, you know, you can practice a little bit, right? You should do this in public. (laughs) So I was like, wow, that's a good idea. So what I did was when I got this dress and I got it all tailored, I walked through my, I didn't go to the grocery store, but I walked through my house. And as soon as I put it on, I was just like, yes, 
I can do this. And I mean, your the dress is red and gorgeous and silky. I mean, it already it's red is the color of power. Yes, and fortune and and luck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. I definitely chose red for you know the symbolism of it. And before then, I had been really into white. Like in my white period, I call it. Like everything was white. All my clothing was white. All my furnishings and, and everything around me was white. Just, I just felt that purity and that needing to have a clean slate and just purify, 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 purify. And so for me to really be attracted to red was a completely new phase of my artistic expression. That was a true demonstration of courage, I think, there. Yeah. So now I'm, I'm becoming more bolder. I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit getting out of the healing i'm just like let's have fun let's celebrate let's 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 have a good time totally fun is important yeah yeah jen so why why did you choose grammys for 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 that particular experiment and i can imagine i mean you did receive some reactions what were they yeah i i chose the grammys because it's an organization i truly believe in and i love the grammys is all about creators communicating with each other, connecting with each other. And, and so using the Grammys, it was basically an opportunity. You know, we go to these award shows and everyone's dressed perfectly. I just thought the opportunity was perfect. Was it your idea? It wasn't my idea. It was, it was my best friend's idea. She came to me and was like, I think the Grammys is the perfect time to do this. And I was very uncomfortable with it being a live event. You know, yes, I was like, I was like, oh my gosh, we can't control a live event. And she was just like, no, Jen, this is about you just being authentically you. And, you know, I think the Grammys is the perfect. She just got a download about it. She really was like, I, I, you know, when your friend is like, this is something that I feel strongly about. Of course, I said no at first. I'm like, no, that's crazy. I'm never doing that. A live event? No. Um, But then I meditated, I sat with it. And then I knew once I put that dress on, I was like, I can do this. Again, these statues at the Louvre that we gaze upon, we accept them as art. You are a piece of art yourself. (laughs) I mean, I'm looking at you, never think that something is not there on, on your body. I mean, you look just pure perfection and it's just incredible how you're looking at this in such a healthy way and... That's another reason I did it was because I did want to share that I'm not perfect. I'm not perfect. I am a a spiritual leader in the community and, and, you know, I have a lot of young women that look up to me. I have to be authentic. I have to share every part of myself. And that's really where I'm at with my music is sharing different versions of the goddess. There's not just one version of the goddess. We're so multidimensional. Even just one woman has so many sides to her, so many sides to her divine feminine. And we have to acknowledge and celebrate and express all these different sides of us or else we're not being whole. We're not expressing ourselves as our greatest version that we could. Sounds like this Grammy experience has been a total blast for you. How else this appearance at the Grammys impact your community? Did you receive any other reactions? Yeah, the reactions I got were amazing. Surprisingly, I didn't get one negative comment. There was a wave of support and, you know, 
I, I couldn't keep up with all the messages that I got. And Amazing. I did reply every single person that reached out and, you know, expressed how it impacted them. So that was really exciting to see. And, and that was really why I did it was to shape the core of every person who saw that video and redefine beauty. Yeah, totally. I, can, I mean, I totally get how women with cancer, no cancer, cancer survivor, they can totally relate and aspire to your decisions that you've made. But what about the guys? How did they react? The most used comment was, you're a badass. <laughs> and you loved or it. That's, or that's so badass or just badass. I, 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 honestly, I had never heard that term used so much when it was like focused at me, you know? So for that word to be used, I was like, wow, what does that mean? Badass, you know, like, wow, it means fierce warrior to see that kind of reaction from the men or even from the women too was. I could come up with more like daring, (laughs) courageous, confident, like, I don't give a damn. I mean, literally, I'm listening. That's, to- that's where cancer takes you. You know, that's where that's, or any disease, any mm-hmm. uh, dis-ease of the body or any crisis, you know, will take you to your knees. And then when you rise again, you're fierce, you're unstoppable. You know, it doesn't mean I don't have, you know, I don't experience failures. Obviously, I do still. Obviously, I still have challenges and stressors that, have nothing to do with cancer. It's just life. Oh, really? But, Does it happen to you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cancer didn't cure, you know, everything, you know. Uh, but what it made me, it made me resilient. And again, it made me the master of my belief systems, knowing that really what's most important is what I believe about myself and what I believe about my environment and the people around me. That's what matters most. And then cultivating, managing, and discovering my own inner compass that show us, oh, no, that, no, yeah, no, you know. <laughs> Gosh, I'm listening to you, Jen, and you know what, what feelings I have? I mean, we are now on camera. We see each other. You probably see all the time my smile is just nonstop. I mean, you are, you are totally inspiring me in so many, so many ways. You know, your Grammy's performance if you if we can call it that way that daring action you took that kick ass as people say you know you're kicking my ass with that if I'm (laughs) honest because I wanted to do a few things in my life but I thought I'm just maybe too old for it maybe I'm not too beautiful for it maybe I don't have what it takes I'm, I'm comparing myself to other women it's just so unhealthy and silly when you think about it you're just shining through your skin, through your eyes, through your smile. And it's just, you know, you, you're speaking your truth and it's super inspiring for anybody who's listening and for myself. So one promise I'm giving to you, I'm going to really deeply reassess everything you said. And it feels to me like you're my spirit guide in some ways today. Mm, beautiful. <laughs> and, and I am going to make a few changes for sure myself. It, it's just mm. life is too short. 
Yes, yes. I love to hear that. I love your, I just feel, you know, divine connections right now for sure. And this is so beautiful. This is a miracle. Yes, it's lovely. But as our time, Jen, is coming to an end, I'm afraid I'd hate to miss a chance to ask you about something that is so unique to you in your story, and it's music. Over the last sort of three years, I was doing lots of research about how people can help um, tackle their mental well-being when they're going through cancer or post-cancer or post uh, or while during they have uh, chronic disease, autoimmune disease. Dancing, music, and singing are top three things that mm. really help heal. And, you know, we know that in ancient Greece, music was to ease stress and promote sleep and soothe pain. And Native Americans and Africans use singing and chanting as part of their healing rituals. What you, Jen, say in your Instagram post that I noticed a lot, music heals the soul and music is healing. Two mm -hmm. things. And since you're a musician, I would love to hear, how did you find music being true to you and others when it comes to healing? My first healing moment with music was when I was in the fifth grade and I was in a choir for the first time where I heard, hmm. you know, sing singers singing in four-part harmony. And I was struck by it because I was like, wow, harmony does exist. We are sound. Sound is not separate from us. Mm -hmm. And so when we connect with sound in any way, it could be through a bird singing or a child singing, or there's so much musical offering throughout the whole earth that we're meant to be surrounded by music. We're meant to be musical because we are music. You know, our heart beats like a drum. Our voice is meant to chant and sing and be played with. Even our footsteps make sound. And the way our body moves, we're meant to dance with the wind. And all these primitive habits that worries coming up a lot during this podcast, all these primi primitive rituals are coming back to us. We've been over-civilized. And if you go into indigenous cultures, that's really what we're coming back to is you know indigenous practices and that's what sound is for me now every time i produce music i meditate beforehand i set an intention I, there is a focus of what song i'm working on and why there's a reason why i'm doing it there's a force behind it i used to do music you know in my early 20s and all that it was more egoic it was more just to share my own feelings and what i felt And there was a definite shift probably around the year 2000 where spirit told me, Jen, only write when you're overflowing. <laughs> and what I realized was spirit was telling me, don't vent with your music. Huh. Don't vent. That means you're writing when you're in the zone and you're flowing and you're loving life and you're creative. And, and this is the positive energy that you want to put out. People that vent in their music, they're creating more destruction in their lives. So much music like that around. Yes, there's so much. So again, environmental, mm -hmm. realizing that the music I create is going to be someone's environment. Right. And that's a huge responsibility that I take very seriously. And 
And I know the power of music can get beyond our subconscious mind and goes right to our soul, soul. It goes right to us, it goes right to ourselves. And so anything that I put, you know, any message or any instrumentation always has the highest intention for whoever is listening. So how would you, how would you like describe a, your music? I would say it's soulful. It's very soulful mm-hmm. and it's very feminine. I couldn't agree. Um, <laughs> and it shows the different sides of the goddess. I have up-tempo dance tracks that you can, you know, exercise to or sweat to or whip your hair to, shake your hips, really move energy. Uh, dancing moves energy. Well, I know which song I'm going to dance to then. <laughs> it's going to be one of two. I have two of your favorite songs. Do you want to hear them? Yes, I'd love to hear them. The Divine Feminine Rise, the one nice. that was on the video of the Grammys. I just thought it was like, wow, it's like so powerful, so wow. like moving something inside of me. You know, especially mm. when you say it's a new day, a new time, speak your truth, I remember, and seek it in and seek it out and say it out loud, say it proud. I remember even these lyrics are just like sitting in my head. It's beautiful. And another mm. song is Light. I am the light. That oh, is yes. song. Mm. That's beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing. <laughs> Pleasure. <laughs> do you think, in few words, do you think there is a direct link be- between the good quality music, the soul music, and and health. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Again, what we're bathing the cells in, what frequencies, what vibrations we're speaking over ourselves is frequency that the cells are going to reproduce in. And everything is energy. Everything's cellular energy. So, yeah, absolute connection for sure. That's wonderful. So our wish to, for people is to listen to more good music. Yes, and create music. You know, you don't have to be a professional to beat on a drum right. or, have, or have brass healing bowls. I just feel like everyone should have healing bowls in their living room. <laughs> Every child should grow up banging on a healing bowl and hearing tones and hearing these pitches that are healing or a piano or a guitar and really about getting in tune with that musical quality the sounds that are healing and even just expressing vocally there's so much that we can't express with words mm-hmm. words can kind of limit us a lot of times especially when it comes to the emotions so even just walking around your house vocally I do that. It's so good. And then, you know, finding a drum and beating on it, you know, and that's how I process anger. I get that drum out and that's it. And yeah. Let's make some nice people. I know you have some healing bowls around you. So can you play for us? Sure. I love the sound. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> it's beautiful. I have a few at home also, and so I, I do play around. It's it's fantastic. It takes you to another level of being somehow. Just everything disappears, all the shit out of your head. <laughs> yes, it does. It does. It takes you another dimension. Just that's another it. Dimension outside of this earthly realm, mm-hmm. and that's really what we're connecting to is other dimensions. You know, other parts of ourselves. And it sounds to me that cancer in some way also brought a new purpose to you through music. Absolutely, for sure. It deepened my life Mm -hmm. and it got me on the right path. I do believe that I should have been moving on and I wasn't yet. It was a push that I needed. Yeah, cancer was a soul quest. It was a journey of the soul. It showed me who I was and who I wasn't. Mm-hmm. It showed me my power and how powerful I am. It taught me how healing the body is and how magnificent the body is. It showed me I'm a badass. It really did show me that I have grit. You know, <laughs> I have grit and I'm here to stay and I have a lot to accomplish. Which is amazing that you keep moving on and doing things. Okay, talking about creative projects, when is the documentary you're working on coming out? Documentary that reveal will be done in October for breast cancer awareness month. Yes. And I'm also going to, you know, be very clear that I, I, I don't really promote surgery. You know, if you cannot do it, then obviously that's the best choice. But if you have gone through it, then there's other women that have too, and you're not alone and you're still gorgeous and sexy and desirable no matter what your body has been through. And the perfect mate will be attracted to your soul and your experience and your story and your strength and your courage. And that's really the kind of person you're wanting to attract anyway. So, and when you describe yourself to other people, make sure it's from a place of power and it's a place of overcoming not a victim mentality you know you have to really kind of switch out of that victim mentality and and say I have responsibility I take responsibility and you know I'm so thankful gratitude is really what got me out of the depression gratitude is what changed my life you know when you're in your pity party and you're just like why is this even happening to me gratitude shifts mountains. I mean, it will get you out of the depths of hell. Oh, I'm just so thankful I'm alive. Oh, at least at least I'm alive. At least I'm breathing. Yeah. I remember when I was going through that one year of of just detoxing and cleansing. Well, at least I'm not in prison, I would say to myself. (laughs) (laughs) At least, at least, at least I'm not in prison. That's the only worst thing I could think of. You know, at the time. (laughs) How would it cross your mind? (laughs) At least, at least I have freedom still and I can walk on the beach and I can see sun and can feel the rain and I have my freedom. And so just being grateful for freedom and grateful that I could breathe and, and grateful that I had money to buy these organic juices and fruits and vegetables and You know, we have so much to be thankful for. All of us, every single person on this planet has so many amazing blessings around them. And that is such a beautiful message to finish, I think, this conversation for people. I mean, it's been 
I, I don't know where to begin, how to describe. It's been juicy. It's been sexy. <laughs> <laughs> it's been so deep and so valuable and so useful. So I don't even need to ask anymore. What are your key takeaways? Because I think it's just too hard to pinpoint to one thing. It's just so much for people to take away and, and reflect upon. I will certainly share with people about your documentary and please let me know when it comes out or when you start promoting. I will be promoting on your behalf here in the UK as much as I can. I think it's a great thing you're doing. I'm so intrigued about it. Oh, thank you so much. (laughs) Also, how can people find you? What are the best uh, social media avenues to talk to you? I'm um, on Instagram at JenRose777 and also Facebook, JenRose Productions, J-E-N-R-O-S-E Productions. And I'm very active on social media. So if you message me, I'm easy to get a hold of and I'll answer any of your questions if anyone has any questions. I have a new album coming out in May. But I have two albums on Spotify, Apple Music, Everywhere, anywhere, music is streamed. Um, And those two albums are called Awakened Woman and Journey of the Soul. And those are the two albums that I wrote, like, right after my healing journey. And they are the most awakened compositions that I'm really proud of. Please reach out and please connect. I promise Jen is not lying. She's replying every <laughs> single message because that's how we ended up talking. I just simply yeah. send your message. Yeah. And here we are. <laughs> yep. Thank you yep. so much for your time today. I'm so, so mm. grateful you spend this time with me, sharing your wisdom, sharing your story and being vulnerable and just giving so many good pieces of advice. I think we people in London, in the UK, we need to hear more of stories like yours. They are still in underground. So I'm so happy that you are on my journey to shedding the light about what's possible. Oh, thank you so much. I love this platform that you've created. It's so powerful. And, you know, I commend you as well as being a survivor and doing something amazing um, with your second life as well. (laughs) And really, really putting it out there as a leader. And I love that you named it the Eagle Podcast. I think that's so perfect. It really (laughs) is a beautiful symbol of bravery and having that perspective, that bird's eye perspective of just seeing the whole picture. And it's been wonderful. You truly are the Eagle. And as an Native American, you will totally understand the eagle is the most powerful and the most resilient bird out there. And that's how we finished our conversation. It left my heart feeling so full. Thank you for listening to this episode, finding time for it. I hope you enjoyed it. But how really was it for you? I always enjoy receiving your feedback. So please drop me a line on hello at sandradonskita.com or direct message me on Instagram at sandradonskita, which is S-A-N-D-R-A-D-O-N-S-K-Y-T. I know it's very exotic. (laughs) I'm here to serve and help you and your loved ones. So please remember that you can find more information on topics covered in this podcast on my website or in the show notes. I'll link everything there. 
If you enjoyed this episode and this podcast in general, one of the best ways to support it is by subscribing to this podcast and leaving a review on Apple or whichever app you're using. Of course, spread the news with all your friends and colleagues. Anyway, every positive review helps new listeners to find us and it will be really, really appreciated by me. Also, take a screenshot of this episode and share it on social media with your friends who would find Jen's story helpful and inspiring because someone might need to hear exactly that. I'll be back with you in two weeks' time with another intriguing guest. And for now, have an awesome week. Hope you feel healthy and have fun.